Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live brought to you by the Spire Institute. Spireinstitute.org. Sign up today. Now, on with the show. the people. This is Eric Pernoy Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Tim Jensen with Pepperdine Volleyball. The story in real time. I can't argue that we're the best team in the world. I'm not retiring, people. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. I dominated. Peter. We're into that because we're horny for volleyball. Reed. Got a toothbrush? We're going to London. Do you hear that, Doug? I'm coming to London. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's the Net Live right now. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Net Live on a Monday. Also known as DJ Rouché's The Net Live. I'm joined by Jay Hasek and Dieter. Dieter's also on the line. Gentlemen? Uh, Jay Rouché. Jay, how are you guys? I'm in uh, San Francisco for the Angels of the Oakland A Series, and Jay Roche, just hearing you lead off the show gets me excited. You talk about being horny for volleyball, I'm horny when you do that. It makes me real excited, buddy. I think uh, I think Kevin's a little concerned that I'm really going to take over the show before they get back. Listen, Barney can just keep being a Barney and writing terrible emails about high-fived Jen Kessie and all these things. I don't know what he was talking about last night, but he needs to just focus on his job and, and, and stay out of our lives. Uh, yes, you got to love the autocorrect, right, boys? Oh, man. It really just sucked the total cool out of uh, Kevin's email. He was bragging that he gave a high-five to Jen Kessie after her and April's win last night, but it came across as he gave her a high-fiver, which I found highly entertaining. Yeah, you know, but we I, do love Barney. We do love Barney. He's doing a great job over there. And there's so many places to start in volleyball, men's indoor, women's indoor, beach. Uh, I, I think, Jay, you have to hit on Phil and Todd first because the Olympic, reigning Olympic champions uh, are out. Uh, Jeremy and I got a tweet this morning from a friend of ours in Massachusetts asking about if they had a coach, would they still be in? You know, you can dissect it a million different ways, guys. The bottom line is they just didn't look right. I think the injuries caught up to him. I was looking at some highlights from Beijing the other day, and Todd was, you know, in his peak physical shape. His knee, his hip, whatever was bothering him, you just tell he didn't have that lift. Phil even uh, said uh, to Heather Cox that they were real nervy going into that game. I don't think they liked the matchup. And Phil, you know, having a chance to really dominate and take over that match uh, to kind of carry Todd, it, it just didn't happen. He just didn't have it, uh, and they picked an unfortunate time, you know, which is an elimination match, uh, to, to not play well. If you don't play well in that Olympic arena, you will lose. Well, first of all, can you guys hear me just fine? I want to make sure about that. Sounds great. Okay. So, you know, I, I agree with you, uh, Gita. Here's my take on it. 
when, and I'll relate it to something a little more closer to home, when the Penn State women's team was undefeated for that season and they went into the next season and it was a different team, it was an unfair uh, moniker to put on them this pressure from these previous teams. And so when they lost their first match, everybody thought, ooh, it was this big deal. Phil and Todd go into this uh, into this Olympics as the favorite, uh, or at least a heavily, heavily uh, favored to win the whole thing. And they went up against a team that when you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain and the pressure is all on the guys that are expected to win, that's some tough things to deal with. And, and injury aside, um, you know, whatever kind of pressure they felt, it was bound to happen someday that they were going to lose to somebody. It didn't matter who was on the other side of the net. It could have been Karch and, and Steffes for all it mattered. Somebody down the line was going to beat them. And it's unfortunate that they lost in the, to a team that – uh, was ranked as low as they were, but you know you got to give the other team credit. They just kept playing and didn't worry about the hoopla and the hype surrounding Phil and Todd. They just played good volleyball, and the teams that play good long strings of volleyball are usually the ones that are going to be successful. And Phil and Todd felt the pressure, and I think that 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 just got to them finally in the end. And Jeremy, you and I've seen it a lot of times, and you know uh, I, I had my kids alone all weekend, and so did Furbringer, so we met up. On Saturday, a little old Venice there in Manhattan Beach, his sister Joyce watching her brother Dave and the men's indoor team. And when we met up, and it was after Phil and Todd had lost, and we talked a lot about it. And, and it was interesting to hear his take on it. And I had that, that same take while watching Phil, and we've seen it a million times, Jeremy. He didn't have uh, that, that game where he takes over. There are so many times where you go, oh, my God, they can't lose because Phil's so damn good. I don't remember any aces. Uh, I don't remember him putting any pressure with his serve, um, I, he didn't set great. He didn't uh, – and I'm not putting this all on Phil. I'm just saying, like, we're used to Phil being at what Jay talked about, that standard where he is just so good and, and just a cut above everybody else. Well, he didn't play like that. Actually, Todd kind of worked himself into that game and actually was starting to side out a little bit better and, and, and did some, some, some good things where I thought he struggled early. But they, they gave up runs, which they never do. They just did not play well. And I think, you know, Phil being the best player in the world, you know, that, that was really an opportunity for him uh, to kind of step up, carry a load, and, and, and win one of those games ugly, and, and, and they just didn't do it. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I know I, I, it's unfortunate that it happened now. But, you know, now that that opens a door for, uh, for Jake and Rosie, who, man, I'll tell you, that again, they are exciting. It's all get out to watch. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, no Rosie about it. Rosie is playing just really nice, easy volleyball. I'm, we're so used to watching him just thunder balls down the line. And what he's just doing is playing good volleyball. And Gib, uh, playing inspired volleyball. You watch him at the net. He's so good at the net blocking right now. And side-out machine. And, and I, I believe one of the announcers made a, made a statement that if this team serves him one more ball, uh, they must have the worst scouting report known to man. And so, sure enough, they made the change, and it just didn't matter. Gibb and Rosie were, were on fire and, and took care of their match handily and, and are in the medal rounds right now, I believe. I, uh, here, here's my take, and I want to get your take, uh, Jeremy. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure if they won today. Did they play already today? Jake and Rosie? Yeah. Correct, and they have a, they have a the draw play. against Latvia, which I like. Yeah, they have they have a great draw to get to the semifinals. Uh, I, I think Rosie's playing pretty good, but he needs to play a little better for them to 
uh, compete for that gold. I think he's playing well defensively. I feel like he's almost being too cautious, like he's gone on the other side. We're so used to him hammering balls, like, like you said, Jay, the, the, the flashy play. He's almost gone away from that too much. I think if he can find uh, that balance, he's getting served a lot more than he's used to. Uh, but I think, and, and, and I, I honestly believe this, them getting through that last match, I think Rosie's going to play out of his mind. I think he's going to play great, and I think they're going to be a tough, tough out. And, they're, and they're, they have a legit chance to win that gold medal. Jay Gibb has been fantastic all summer long. You just see how strong mentally he is right now. His confidence, I, I don't know if I've ever seen him this confident. So those guys have a great draw today. If they take care of business, they're going to play Emmanuel and Alex Sohn, and, and, and they're going to have a real nice shot to get to that gold medal game. But, Jeremy, I want to get your take on Rosie because we've seen him. I, I feel like he's, he, he, he's right there. He's right there on that cusp of playing great. Yeah, he's playing good, and Marlo's touched on it too, kind of you know, comparing him to Sinjin and stuff like that. Like, Rosie's playing well. Jake has been the difference maker on the team so far, and if Rosie steps up to the level that Jake is playing, I think the gold medal would be theirs to lose. Um, Rosie does look a little tentative. There are some tight sets that Rosie doesn't know how to deal with. I think it was the match last night that – Jake put the ball away with ease, and Rosie looked like he was struggling every single time against the same blocker. But uh, Rosie's figured it out a little bit. His defense is always going to be there. So if he just cranks it up just one more level, all the other teams, I think, are going to be really scared of them. I'm, I'm very excited about that match. I, I think it's a good draw for them. Uh, for them to get to that semifinals, I, I, I believe that's where they should have been in 08, but they came, came up against Ricardo and Emmanuel, who played a flawless match in that quarterfinal back in 08. So I really feel like it's their time. If we switch gears and go to the women, uh, and, and I know we were emailing between the, the, the four of us, so we included Barney in that, and I had some text messages going off with my friends. I, I knew the scores from Kerry Misty because I looked at them during the day, but I watched it last night here at the hotel down at the bar. That was an absolute beating. I am not sure I've seen a match played better at that level. I mean, Kerry and Misty, I mean, that's a good Italian team, and they gave them an absolute drubbing. You could tell Misty really respected Italy by the way she raised her game. I mean, I'll tell you about these, these 08 um, highlights that I've been watching. I, you know, you go to NDC.com Olympics, and they have all these uh, 08 and 04 uh, highlights. So I was watching Kerry and Misty, I was watching Phil and Todd, and I forget how good Kerry and Misty looked in 08. And I was thinking to myself yesterday, man, they were so damn good. I, they're just, you know, time's caught up. Yeah, they're not as crisp. And then I watched them play last night, and I thought, oh, my God, they're better. That was as well as I've seen them play. And, and they're going to need it because I think China is going to be a huge, te- uh, a huge test, Jay. We, I'll tell you what, we were watching that, um, that match yesterday in the hotel with my, with my family and my in-laws, and they were asking me questions because they obviously don't know the game too well. You know, how, how good are Misty and Carey? How good is the team that they're facing? And when you watch that match, it, it looked like they could do no wrong. And every ball that was, that was hit by the Italians, Misty found herself right in the right spot. It seemed like she knew where she was going to hit the ball before the other girl did. And did you watch... In the timeout, the Italian girl was crying. It was almost like she, she, she thought to herself, what else do I have to do in order to get a point? And yeah, she was sobbing. sobbing. She was sobbing. And, and, that, and, and as a men's team, if you're a men's team and you watch the other team and the guy's crying, you're looking at that guy going, you, you better suck it, dude, because it's going to keep coming. And Misty and Carrie just did a nice job of just keeping the pressure on him. And that poor girl... You're right, she's going to be phenomenal someday. But 
That was, I, I agree with you, Peter, that was probably the best I have ever seen them play in terms of just, uh, it was like the Gestapo was coming. They could not be stopped. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, if that's an indication of them for the next couple of matches, I, I'd like their chances for that, uh, for that repeat for sure. Yeah, I mean, really, guys, uh, Jeremy, this is the game that everyone's been looking at. It's, it's China, yeah. who's been very solid, who's beaten them this year, who started out the Olympics not playing their best, but they seem to be rolling now. It's really, I, 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 I think the team who wins this match is, 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 is going is gonna to be in the driver's seat for the gold. Uh, I, I do. I haven't seen Juliana Larissa play yet, but, man, do I want Jen and April to beat them. I have really enjoyed watching Jen and April. I think they've been fun, great chemistry. They've battled. They've gone through adversity, and they're really enjoying the moment. For them to get to the semifinals and, and assure themselves at least playing for a bronze, I am so proud of that team. I would love to see them make it to a final. I have a couple concerns about Jen and April. I just feel like they're not – first of all, they're winning. So, I mean, you got that going for you. But I don't feel like they're really – putting teams away when they can, when they go on a little bit of run and they kind of let the other team back in. It's not They're not putting their feet on the throats of the other team and just absolutely crushing them. They're missing a lot of serves, and I don't know if you can win that way against the top Brazilian team. Well, I saw a stat, I saw a stat in Jay, and then I'll let, I'll, I'll let you go because I feel like I jumped in on you there, that they had, I think they've lost maybe nine in a row, Brazilians and their record is, is like three and God only knows, but I feel like all the pressure is going to be on that Brazilian team. Remember uh, Juliana got hurt right before 08, so they didn't get their shot uh, when everyone thought they were the second best team in the world, and now that they're the number one seed, this is really going to be the pressure match for them. If they take care of Jen and April, it will show me a lot about this Brazilian team, but I think Jen and April are going to come out not feeling any pressure. I feel like they're already uh, they're in a great spot, and yeah, as you said, Jeremy, I, I agree that they're not putting teams away, but but you know what? They're winning, and, yeah. and bottom line, with each win, you 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 take that next step on the ladder. You're more confident. Uh, you've been there before, so now all of a sudden, you know, a, a confident, cocky Jen and April are a dangerous team, and I hope they take that into this Brazilian match because I think that that nine losses in a row means nothing. It means absolutely nothing when you get onto this stage. How much of that, Peter, and, and, and you, you can attest this because you've seen it over the years, how much of that, though, is just experience and having been there before and, and maybe not so overwhelmed by the pomp and circumstance going on around you? I mean, Jen, Jen and, uh, and April obviously have played in some pretty big matches in their life, and they've won some titles, and, they, and they've done a really nice job of, of elevating their career. But when you look at the overall uh, history and, and, and results from Misty and Kerry, you, you just look at them, and there's this sense of, uh, look, we belong here. We know we've been here before. We're just going to take care of business. We'll enjoy it along the way. But how much of that, how much of that experience comes to play, you think? Here's, here's my take on experience, and I've said this on, on the show when it comes to the indoor team. I truly believe that to win it, you need to have a combination of youth and experience. Because how many times during March Madness and college hoops – in college football, whatever it is, you're in your last game and your seniors kind of panic because they realize the end is near. It's not very often where that senior really takes over. And I remember Danny Manning doing it with Kansas. I mean, there are those examples where guys as seniors have been there before and they're just a step above everybody else and they get in that moment 
and they dominate. But we've also seen it with young people that really don't know how big the moment is. They can be really dangerous as well. So I give the experience card. It means a lot. It means a lot in terms of how you prepare, having that inner confidence that you've been there before. And I know it my own self when I've coached that, hey, I'm still as nervous as I've ever been this year at JO's coaching, even though I had just won them two times in a row. I was still just as nervous, but I knew how to prepare. I had this confidence about myself that I knew if I chart this game, I do that, we're going to have a chance to win. But still, you have to perform when that ball goes in the air. Like, no matter what, no matter how much – how much experience Kerry and Misty have when they play China and they play in that gold medal match, they have to execute and play well for that hour, no matter how experienced they are. So I think it, it, it can carry you in terms of your preparation, your mentality, uh, your confidence going in. But once you get there, guys, you've got to play. You've got to play and you've got to play well or you're not going to win. Imagine how that last match for Misty and Kerry, knowing – that that is the last absolute time that they will ever play together again, and the emotions that will be surrounding yeah. them at that point. That's, that's, Do you remember the story of Matt Liner? Matt Liner, the last time he walked on the field at, uh, at, at, at the Coliseum against UCLA, the guy could not control his emotions. Pete Carroll had to basically yeah. take him aside and slap him in the face and say, dude, come to. Yeah. Like, it just was overwhelming. You know what's weird? Uh, Casey Jennings told me this a couple days ago. He's never seen Terry like she is right now in terms of focus and wanting it that bad. I feel like Carrie knows she's coming back, but she realizes this moment and realizes this in the end with Missy. And if you look at her face, once he told me that, I started looking at her facial expression and stuff. She is a freaking machine right now. She, she has one goal in mind and nothing's going to stop her. And I really feel like Misty's starting to feel that way too. Misty played so damn good against, uh, against Italy. She's realizing this is it, and she's always been the best in the biggest moments. That team, yeah. the light has shined on them under gnarly, gnarly spotlights. They've always been their best. So I think, Jay, that will carry them over. I think that yeah. gives them that confidence, and that's where experience can, can, can really help you. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's a good assessment for sure. Hey, uh, Jeremy, are we, are we going to talk about the uh, lovely reporter that wrote that article about them since we're talking about the girls' team? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, Geeter started had a little rant last week, and I'd like to play a snippet of it again, just kind of into that uh, into that discussion. So here you're going to hear yourself here real quick. I, uh, you know, I love that. Drives me insane that every newspaper article, every magazine article, everything on the dot coms, whether it's ESPN.com. I mean, I looked the other day before the game started. ESPN.com's front page for beach volleyball. The stories about what they're wearing. Yep. I read an article in the L.A. Times after the Australia-USA women's match. It was unbelievable, Carrie Misty. It's about the game starting late, and NBC wanting there to be eye candy, but the girls wearing the long sleeve stuff that must have been hard on the viewers, and blah, 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 and about what they're wearing. Guys, guys, it's played out. It's tired. It's the fifth Olympics. No more talking about what they're wearing. They're wearing bikinis. They're wearing board shorts. Get over it. Losers. Do your job. If you don't know the sport, learn it. Geeter, I'm going to clip that losers part and just play it to myself all the time. Uh, I haven't heard that until you just played it. Uh, I was very passionate about that, and, and, and I still am. I actually went on a radio show. Uh, AM Sports Talk Radio Show, they called me to talk about beach volleyball. They're like, yeah, we understand, Gator, that you get a little 
little upset when uh, when uh, when they talk about what the girls are wearing and stuff. And hope you're not mad at us because we actually started the show with that. And dude, I just cut the guy off and went off for like seven minutes. The guy didn't even have a chance to ask me a question. I just unloaded nice. on all journalists. Yeah, I felt bad. Well, no. can, we, can we have a cop? Is there, is there a copy of that somewhere? Yeah, exactly. I would take the seven-minute rant for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I came across... All, all i got to say is this. Can somebody please... Okay, oh my, I think they just put it on our chat room. Yeah. I, I want everybody to write an email, everybody that listens to our show, to write an email and just tell these guys that that article was awful. I think Jay Roche actually has the editor's email. Yeah, I think I sent you like four different uh, emails yeah. for the editors of that uh, of that publication. Well, um, well, well, and it's actually it's morphed now. There's a, an article I read I read today, and I actually saved some of it, talking about the cheerleaders for the different events, and they were talking about the different. Um, they had they hired a guy that does the show with um, oh, what the heck's the guy's name? The guy does uh, the X Factor, or whatever his name is, uh, Simon Cowell. And he hired a company to put together the different uh, genres, and uh, it, it's just—it's all it, obviously we know about it. It's all about you know trying to get the crowd hyped up. But they have different uh, names for the different groups. And, and as we go up through here, and you guys start talking, uh, I'll, I'll mention what the what the actual titles of them were. But it's unbelievable. It just keeps morphing and morphing into different things. And, and then someone down the line is going to hear an earful of it on a, on a national or international scale. I hope. Well, Geeter, you'll no. like this. The hey, article, hey, is, is, someone, is someone calling in? I think someone was supposed to yeah. call in. The article uh, no. was from a Canadian um, uh, either online or newspaper, and we actually have a Canadian calling in right now to uh, either defend yes, or crush his countrymen. Hi, guys. How's it going? Great, buddy. Um, do you want to defend your oh, or do don't. You them? No. No, no, no. I'm not defending this clown. What, what I called in because I feel like I am the resident volleyball Canadian expert to you guys down in California, and so I thought I would share my two cents on this article. It, first of all, just to clarify, uh, for those of you who haven't read the article, it's posted on the NetLife Facebook page. It's also in the chat room, so if you guys are in the chat room, you can check it out right now. I am furious with this article for many reasons, but firstly... The Globe and Mail is a newspaper, and it is considered uh, the paper of record, quote-unquote. So it is a pretty established and nationally and internationally distributed newspaper. So I'm really pissed off that this article, like, I'm not sure if it was actually printed in the hard copy or if it just went straight to the website, but I'm just upset that this thing got through the editors and it got, you know, published. Now, the fact is that, yes, it is an op-ed piece, and everyone is entitled to their opinion. But when you don't take the four seconds to do a Google search to find out, like, a simple fact, like, that's on you as a writer. And so and I have a little quote written down here. The quote, and I'm sure, Geeter, you're going to love this one. Uh, quote, I suspect that any of the top athletes in most of the other Olympic sports, from badminton to basketball, could become beach volleyball experts within a day or three. You know what, Cam? Cam, I, I'm looking at that quote right now, and I'm glad you read it because I was going to read it. Uh, he also said, "Sorry to be insulting girls and boys. You look like very good athletes, but are you really Olympic quality material?" What bothers me about that, and I've had this argument with other people that have no clue, you could put LeBron, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant on one team, four guys, train them for a couple weeks, 
go up against Kerry Misty, they won't score over three or four points. Does anyone know why that doesn't know volleyball? They won't be able to pass the ball, idiots, legally. That's what I try to tell people. You know, this isn't a picnic. They're not just going to bat the ball over. You actually have to pass the ball with your forearms. They would never return serve. That's what these guys have no idea that it takes years of practice. It bothers me. Oh, it bothers me as well. And one of the other things is that, you know, newspapers are in the business of getting eyeballs. That's how they make their money. They make their money by people reading their content, whether it is online or if it's in their actual papers. And, you know, like beach volleyball is kind of like the easy out in the Olympics because, A, we, we know sex sells. And I apologize if our, <clears throat> excuse me, if our athletes are the sexiest at the Olympics. That's not our fault. But this, this article is just what I think is link bait. And what I mean by that is that something that was posted with the intention to kind of fire up a group of people and just to get those eyeballs, even if the facts are completely wrong. You know, like Shaq tried playing on the beach. Kevin Love tried playing on the beach. And just like you said, like you could take the four best NBA players and train them, and they wouldn't do well. It just furiates me that this article became as popular as it did. I saw Carrie and Misty were tweeting it out from London, and I just, like, they're... It, it was successful for them. Like, they're trolls. That's unrated is saying in, in the chat. They're trolls. And it's just, it's just pure. Jeremy, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, did we lose him? Or is that just me? Uh, I'm having issues with uh, Jay's audio, but I think we have everything else. Cam, you're still okay. there. Okay. Cam, that's a great call. And uh, I absolutely agree with you. I didn't see Kerry and Misty tweet it out. What, it, what, what, what was their response? I think that they were retweeting other people that uh, yeah. you know were making them aware of it. So I'm gonna assume by that that they that they checked it out, that they've read it. Yeah. But you know, like with with the following that players like Misty and Kerry have on Twitter, when they retweet or an article, like it just gets spread to thousands and tens of thousands of more people. And you know, like. That, that's a win for the Globe and Mail. That's a win for this clown who wrote the article because it's doing exactly yeah. what he wanted to do, and he's getting eyeballs, and that really pisses me off. That was yeah, my that's issue. actually a really first, good point. Really good when point. I first read it, I was infuriated, and then I realized that he just doesn't know what he's talking about, and I want to invite him to a beach event and have him uh, just try to run and jump in the sand without even hitting the ball. Yeah, you guys um, got to realize that he is probably the most unathletic guy of all time. I mean, he can't. This guy's never played sports. It's not like he has any clue. I mean, there's just no way he, he has any idea. Not one bit. But, Cam, thanks for calling in, bud. We appreciate it. Um, I knew you Great call as usual, Cam. This. Yep. Thank you. Take, take care. Hey, uh, do we get Jay back? Um, bring him. I'm going to unmute him right now, and hopefully he's uh, good to go. I am here. Thanks. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah I, I, wanted to, okay. I wanted to talk about this because uh, I, I know you guys got a, a lot going on in the show, and i, I got to take off soon, but... Switching gears really quick, I know you guys will probably circle back to that, was uh, the women's and men's indoor teams. I just want to touch on those and get my opinion in before I leave. On the men's indoor team, I think Barney emailed me saying that uh, the men got a win in three or four to win the pool. Uh, I thought that was a real tough loss they had uh, to Russia. Leading 2-0, had set point. They looked unbeatable. Um, how they bounce back, I think, is a big thing. I, I, you know, you never want to see a little chink in the armor, but you can't also expect to go undefeated either. I, I think that the way the men are playing uh, and that they got a 2-0 lead against Russia, that they beat Brazil, uh, is kind of proving to everyone that, that, that they have what it takes to medal. 
Yeah, I would agree. Watch, I watched that Russia match, and the first two sets, uh, Russia was definitely um, uh, not on top of their game or, or playing their A game, I guess would be the best way to say it. And, and to our credit, we took advantage of it. And, uh, you know, as, as we were swinging for, for match point and couldn't put it away, you thought, okay, you know, we'll get him in the fourth. It's a lucky, it's a lucky draw by Russia. And, you know, we, we've all seen the momentum switch, and I think, I think our guys probably went into that fourth set pretty confident. Uh, and, you know, as, as the match wore on, uh, I think guys tightened up a little bit. And in that fifth game, uh, Russia had to pedal down, and, and their opposite is uh, an absolute beast. And we just couldn't stop them. And I think we played Tunisia today, and we have the opportunity to win the pool if we go out. Uh, I think you're right, uh, Gieter, in three, and I think we should do that. Uh, that will give us a nice uh, a nice matchup for the next round. Uh, but, you know, it all depends on if we're able to, like you, like you were talking about earlier, if we're able to put the foot down on the, on the opponent's throat and just hold them down and not let them back up to breathe, uh, that's, that's going to be key to our success. Again, it's, and it's passing, it's passing uh, ball control. Speaking yeah, of I the think foot. And then, yeah, switching gears to the women real quick, and then I'll let you guys go. Um, uh, the big news is, 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 is what's up with Lindsey Berg. I, I heard it's not the Achilles. I think it's more of a calf injury from what Barney was telling me. Uh, so we all got to be very aware of what's going on there because that will definitely change uh, this team a lot in terms of their double sub they were using. Courtney Thompson uh, will be the only setter really left. And I believe in Courtney, and I know Jay does too. Uh, you know, her time, she'll, she'll shine. She will still shine, and this team can still win. You just don't want to see Lindsey Berg, the leader and the captain, and with all that experience go down. I mean, that's the bottom line. Is you're, you're, you're going to need a Lindsey Berg somewhere in that lineup to win gold. I would agree. My, my thought process, I actually talked to Russ this morning, Russ Rose, and um, he asked me about that. And I said, you know, uh, last year at the Pan Am Games, we, we let Courtney take the reins in that match against, uh, against yep. the Dominican. And she has experience against that team. That was their A team that was there. And, you know, we, we did not have all of our 18 players, and Courtney still led us to a win. So I would suspect, and this is just my own, uh, my own assumption, I haven't talked to anybody, I would not be surprised to see Courtney get the nod to start the match uh, and see how we do. Um, because if, even if Courtney does get beat when she's in the front row, if she can run the offense well, it's a three-point trade out, and I'm okay with that. And you can start the lineup anywhere you want where you, where you minimize her time in the front row. Uh, I think uh, that would be an awesome opportunity for Courtney to step up and, and, and solidify her place in this team as, you know, the, the spark plotted off the bench and the, and the girl that you can trust to lead the team when times are down. And that would give Lindsay uh, an opportunity to get a break uh, and, and heal a little bit more. I don't know the extent of the injury either. Uh, I sure hope, though, that she can come back because as good as Courtney is, uh, I don't know if later down the line she's going to be as good as against a team like Dominican. You still there? Gator might be gone now. No, he's still on the thing, but all good. Can you hear me? Yeah, oh, hey, you are. Can you? Okay, yeah, I was saying for sure I think Courtney starts, and I think she should, and I think they win that quarterfinal regardless. There's not even a question in my mind. Uh, and I think that gives an extra day or two to, to, to Lindsay to uh, to rest. But, uh, you know, hopefully she's okay. I mean, that's that's the bottom line is you never want to, you know, you never want to lose your leader Uh to an injury in the middle of the tournament. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, and I felt like she did a good job in, uh, I think it was the first match when she came in. U.S. was kind of struggling a little bit. She came in and uh, changed the tempo a little bit and really got them going. So I'm sure they, every teammate on that team had all the confidence in her. 
Yeah, she's just a winner. She's just flat out a winner. All right, guys, I gotta get rolling. Thanks for calling in, Geet. Appreciate it. See you, All right, yeah, it's good work. All right, Later, guys. Yeah, uh, you know, you just me and you, oh. buddy. Fine. All right, I, I like it. It's about yeah. time we finally get to run the joint. Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bummed. We should have asked either about the six man. I know. Uh, oh, I, I believe. Yeah. I believe. Were, were you there? I know you're at the U.S. Open the surfing. Right I. Now. Were you there? I was not at the six man. I saw photos. From what I heard, all the players had a great time. They loved it. It was fun. The photos I saw, I mean, it wasn't even half the crowd of what I've seen before. And, you know, that's understandable. It's on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Heard the sure. volleyball was good. Heard everybody had a good time. I think this is going to be the last year you're, you're going to see the six man in Manhattan Beach. Really? I mean, isn't it the, the death rattle at this point? I mean, they tried to close it down. A couple of years ago, and they're like, okay, we'll gate it. Then all the partying went up to the streets, and they panicked about that, tried to cancel it. Then they moved it to the middle of the week. I mean, how much more does Manhattan Beach have to do to say we don't want this event anymore? Well, it's it, and let's be clear. I believe it's the Manhattan uh, administration. Oh, uh, yes, correct. And, and for those of you that – and Gita touched upon this before. For those of you that, that are upset about it, that live in Manhattan Beach, it's usually the people that, you know, live on the Strand and, you know, they see some, you know, <coughs> some, some gnarly events happening, I guess is the best way to describe some of the extracurricular yes. activities that go on. But, you know, go away for the day. Go away for the weekend. Now you have this opportunity to have it midweek where the businesses – take a little bit of a hit, but not much. Um, and, and I heard what you heard, which was, you know, the, the play was still good. Uh, the, the raging that, w- that goes on with it is probably toned down a, a large portion because of the day that it's on. But, you know, I, I, I don't know, Jeremy, are they going to get rid of it? I, I mean, how, where else do you move it to? You can't get rid of that tournament completely. Well, I, I don't think the tournament itself will be gone. I just think, I don't think it'll be in Manhattan Beach anymore. Where do you think it'll be? Give it uh, Hermosa would be my would be my first guess. Um, you could probably take it down to Huntington Beach as well, but uh, I think Hermosa would be the first thought of everybody who kind of is involved in running the tournament and things like that. But uh, I got to say that Bill Sigler from Smack Sportswear has a uh, has a thing called Smack Fest, which is uh, fours. Yep. And this year they had a pro fours side of the tournament with money involved and stuff like that. And uh, that's as close to an, as a six-man event as you can get. And uh, he's doing a really good job with that. So I think that uh, the six-man may have some competition, to be honest with you, Jay. Huh. Now, now, Hermosa obviously is only a mile down the road. It's not like it's you know a, a complete city over. Correct. Do they, do they, they obviously knows what goes on at Manhattan Beach. It's, oh, it's not I, like, oh, sure. I mean, you can see the pier. You can see sure. the pier from uh, Hermosa, Manhattan Pier. Um, and, I mean, the volleyball world is small. They know what's happening. So they know what would come down. So it will be interesting. I will be interested to see what happens next year. I think uh, – I think whoever does not want the tournament in Manhattan Beach, um, if it doesn't end up happening there, you're going to see some negative effects. I mean, I can't imagine the money that that event brings into the city for two days. It's just got to be ridiculous. Yeah, no, I agree. And and, and I'm sure there are some local businesses that are writing their their local congressman right now saying – why would you eliminate us from having a, a weekend that you know can can help us out during the dead time in the winter? Uh, and, I, and I bet you there's some people in Hermosa that are saying, uh, you know, maybe maybe the same things. Hey, bring it down here. One mile difference is going to kill anybody. Uh, and maybe Hermosa does pick up the ball. You know, the other tournament that that comes to mind that 
has really taken a downturn over the years is the Estera tournament down in Mexico. And, and I remember yep. going down there, uh, and it, it was one of the most fun events of the year. Uh, for those of you that don't know what the Estero tournament is, it's a, um, a doubles sand tournament. Uh, it's a random blind draw, so you go in without a partner. They randomly pick you with somebody, uh, and it's a two-day event. And it's one of the most fun times, and it has taken a hit over the years as well and has now moved up to Rosarito Beach, which I'm not even sure if it's even going to be in Rosarito next year. I, I don't even know if they had it this year. So um, it's unfortunate that, you know, the acts of a few seem to ruin it for everybody else. And, you know, it's, it's just a, it's one of those things where I guess we have to adapt uh, and, and we have to kind of move on to bigger and better things and, 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 and change a little bit. So hopefully we don't lose those tournaments at all. I hope that in some form or, or capacity they stick around. Totally agree. Um, yeah. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Jay, well, I want to get your thoughts on that uh, that article in Canada. You didn't get a chance to chime in on that. And uh, we have a little update from Kevin Barnett, who's in London. He nice. uh, recorded a little voice update for me, sent to me this morning, and uh, we're going to hear from Kevin. Nice. All right, then. Yeah, so we will be right back. You don't have to find the best college coaches. They find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition led by head coach John Hawks, athletic development with Michael Johnson performance, and educational options all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off. It's adding a year to your future. Sign up today at SpireInstitute.org. Welcome back to the Net Live. Also known as DJ Rouché is the Net Live, I think. This is week uh, three of four where I'm just dominating, Jay. <laughs> Jeremy, nobody doubts it on the uh, on this side of the uh, of the computer. So it's been a while since you've had it by yourself, and I'm glad that you finally get the chance to showcase your talents. I know. I'm glad that uh, Reed and Kevin are good enough to be at the Olympics to let me just kind of shine over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, you got to get your 
moment sometime now. That's right. That's right. right. Uh, but real quick, before we actually hear from Kevin, uh, Jay, I wanted to get your thoughts on that uh, article that uh, we've been talking about that was posted in uh, in CAMS Canada. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I will comment on two articles because I did the, the research again. I found my article that I talked about before. Yeah. I, I, I find it hard to believe that anybody worth their weight in salt would listen to anybody write an article about how anybody could become uh, an Olympic volleyball player within three short days of training. I, I just think it's asinine. And the guy who wrote it, we all know right now that the media is – uh, looking to sensationalize anything they can. It's a dying industry. Uh, and so now, in order to remain relevant, these guys are writing anything they can for shock value to get somebody to read their piddly little articles. And the respectable journalists of the olden days, and when I say olden days, meaning before the Internet, um, yeah. you know, they are the ones that, uh, like a Bob Costas, who... Uh, do reporting on the actual event and the athletes themselves rather than comment on how uh, easy their sport looks and about how scantily clad they are. So as far as I'm concerned, the guy who read, who wrote that article uh, can go, you know, suck a big one if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I will talk about the article that I read uh, regarding the music uh, and, the, and the cheerleaders. Um, the Simon Cowell was commissioned uh, I believe, to head this whole delegation of, of cheerleaders and music. And from what I read, there are 2,000 songs that are circulated throughout the Olympics to be played over and over again at various events. And there are five different categories of sports and titles that they have given these things. So, for example, uh, the sports like tennis, which are a uh, quiet uh, kind of a, a, you know, a, a top-edge type sport, They've been uh, designated as the heritage uh, category, uh, so their music will be a little bit more toned down, a little bit yep. more respectful. Uh, the next one for gymnasts and for swimming, which seems to be more of a family uh, atmosphere, uh, they are joined, they're called the primetime uh, music, and they have like X Factor music and things from The Voice, more poppy type stuff. Gotcha. The, extre the extreme sports, <laughs> canoeing and BMX, uh, are going to have more things that are alternative, maybe a little more dancey, a little, more, a little bit more um, groovy, so to speak. Just, the, just to clarify real quick, you said canoeing is an extreme sport? That's what they call oh, it, yes, canoeing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, this, this uh, almost makes me sick, but I guess it's what it is. Um, the basketball uh, arena will have what's known as the urban category, which if you're a sociologist or, or just an average human being, you go, really? We, we couldn't have found a better title for that? But weird enough, and here's the strange thing. So basketball is under the urban category. Cycling is also under the urban category. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't remember cycling being an urban sport. But so be it. It is what it is. Yep. And the last one, the last one is uh, for big stadium-type events like track and field and soccer, they have what's known as the world stage category. And uh, I'm sure you can assume what those might entail. It might be uh, some high, uh, you know, highly visible DJs uh, that are rocking those places with some, you know, some stadium anthems. So that, those are the categories. I found that article to be kind of funny. There, the Olympic sports like beach volleyball uh, and uh, handball are getting uh, street dance teams to be a part of them to uh, to give them some hype. 
You know, um, being a DJ and being involved in sports, I have done some international events, and usually at the international events, they have a set playlist or folder of music that you're allowed to play. And if it's not, if the music's not in that folder, you cannot play it at that event, regardless whether you think it's appropriate or not. Um, some somebody has decided that these are the songs. This is how you're going to play. And so by watching the Olympics, like I'm getting text messages, emails like, oh, what do you think of this song? What do you think of that song? Like I I know all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So some DJs aren't even necessarily making the music choices. They just have to play what they're told. My question is that during the beach volleyball events, when it gets to match point, whoever is playing the music is playing the instrumental to Another One Bites the Dust. Now... <laughs> Um, it gets the whole crowd clapping along. I'm into it. I understand what they're trying to do. But the song choice at that moment doesn't make sense because, A, you haven't won the game yet or set for all you international people. And, B, another one has not bitten the dust yet because, again, C, A, you haven't won the game slash set yet. I don't understand. Well, I guess it's better than uh, uh, than Jay-Z's 99 Problems uh, or You Be Illin' by Run DMC. So I guess there could be worse choices. <laughs> that's true, very true. Um, so, but that—that's been my only complaint, music-wise. But I do find—I um, mean, there's so much going on at the Olympics and so much reporting. We have to talk about everything that everything is going to be scrutinized or everything's, you know, going to be loved. I mean, I've seen people like, oh, there's some ill-timed commercials. I mean, it's just, you know, all—it's yeah, it's all, it's all entertaining. That that whole NBC thing with uh, with them talking about, you know, making the. Um, uh, the results early, and you know everybody tweeting and everybody Facebooking all the results. Uh, you know, I, I got to imagine somewhere down the line that NBC has got to look at this, and maybe maybe it doesn't happen at this Olympics for obvious reason. It's too far into the whole thing, but you know maybe the future they they get rid of the whole prime time. Hey, we need to have this during the uh, you know the prime time viewing hours of you know 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. and maybe they. Uh, you know, they, they just allow it to happen live. And if you're watching, you're watching. I heard somebody talk yesterday. This is actually a really good um, comment I heard. Somebody said there is no longer a thing called prime time. It's all prime time. The whole world is prime yeah. time. And so with, with everything being live on the net at some given point, it does not matter anymore if you're watching it during those certain hours. I, I can't even remember the last time I watched a live television show without it being DVR'd. Correct. The only stuff I watch live would be sport. I don't DVR sports. Um, right. The exception is the Olympics. Like if I want to watch, because um, I was at the U.S. Open all week long of surfing, that uh, I watched all the matches. I mean, I knew what happened in the uh, volleyball stuff. I watched that. I watched uh, Usain Bolt's race last night. Didn't take very long to watch it, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah. Those are the only sports that I will DVR and watch. But other than that, like I'm not watching regular TV live because I just can't stand commercials anymore like I'm sure everybody else can't either. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I, since the invention of the DVR, uh, the TV is now my slave. I'm no longer slave to it. Speaking of the U.S. surfing, Jeremy, how is that event? Is that not one of the coolest things you've been to? This is my fourth time um, being involved with the U.S. Open. Two years I was on the Hurley stage with their Walk the Walk performance. I DJed with a drummer while a bunch of high school kids did a performance. And then the last two years... I've been DJing in festi- in the middle of Festival Village. I have an announcer just kind of creating the vibe all day long. It is an absolutely amazing event. Regardless whether you like surfing 
or skateboarding or any of the other stuff they have going on there. Just the spectacle of this thing is unbelievable. It's, yeah. uh, it's something that I know volleyball wishes it could be. Um, there are just a lot of things that it's hard to do that because this event is once a year in Huntington Beach. You couldn't do this U.S. Open event like you do in Huntington Beach four times a year in Southern California. You can't take it from Huntington to Santa Barbara to Manhattan to Hermosa. It would never be as big as it is in Huntington right. Beach once a year. But, I mean, you can model it. I mean, they have pro surfers going on. They have amateur surfers going on, both male and female. They have a skate park. They have a BMX park. I mean, they're tied in a bunch of this extreme, you know, I hate using that term, but extreme sports. So. Sure. Does volley, can volleyball attach itself to other sports like that? And, like, if there was a volleyball event going on down there to, uh, last week, people would, I mean, you would have had a huge crowd watching it. Didn't they used to have one, though? I could have sworn the U.S. Open a few years ago had a volleyball tournament attached to it. Am I wrong? It's possible. I don't, I don't, if, if they did, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't an AVP event or, um, that I'm aware of. But uh, I would, it, it would make sense. I remember, now back when I was a kid living in Southern California, I remember the OP Pro was the big surfing event that happened in Huntington Beach. And I would go there every year to go watch. And I I was there, uh, I believe it was 1987, actually, when the riot happened and they were uh, burning, you know, ATVs and and turning over cars. And there was a big riot event going on. And and it was, uh, I think that was the last year they had the OP Pro. And I think the U.S. Open is trying to recreate that atmosphere because it got so big back in the day. I'm assuming it's got to be the same size that it is now for the U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I think, I don't think they had as many people this year, but I think some of that had to do with they cut down on some of the big-name bands. Like last year they had MGMT, MGMT and Weezer for as a free right. concert on Huntington Beach, and they had like 100,000 people down there. Wow, wow. For I never... Concert. They used to have the OP Pro bikini contest that went on during that, and and that was a spectacle in itself. So it's neat to see. I I wish you're right. I wish we could kind of lump together things like that, where even if it's you know we're riding on the on the on the the coattails of surfing or skateboarding, we're, we're trying to align ourselves somewhere because we cannot continue to be such a small niche sport that nobody seems to know who we are or what we're doing. So, um, you know, and and, and and I'd like to talk about, I don't know if we're out of time or not, because I know you've got a, a busy schedule lined up for us, but I'd love to talk about how the clubs in Europe, the athletic clubs in Europe, lump together teams uh, from different sports all under the same roof. Do we have time for that? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's do that now, and then we'll uh, get to Kevin's, um, we'll get to Kevin's, uh, update after uh, at eleven o'clock after that break. So let's talk about it. Okay. So, uh, are you aware of uh, of the clubs in Europe and how they run? I am not. So, uh, if I'm not, then I'm sure some of our listeners are not. So, feel free to explain. Okay. Okay. So, I'll, I'll give an example. Um, there's a uh, in Europe, uh, the major cities uh, have athletic clubs that um, are uh, owners of a number of different teams. And, uh, and the example I use is a team in Turkey called Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce is a club that has a soccer team, both men's and women's. They have basketball teams. They have volleyball teams. Uh, I think they have a couple other sports, and, and uh, if anybody out there knows the, the, the exact number, uh, feel free to put it on the chat board. But what happens is, is that all of those teams are all under the umbrella of the Fenerbahce name. 
And the owners obviously get sponsors from major companies, and the colors are all the same. It's almost like belonging to a university of sorts. I wonder how feasible that could be for uh, the United States. So could you have, uh, let's say, the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, the, the Galaxy, uh, the Lakers, and have a professional um, volleyball team linked all under one name. Now, I, obviously, all the teams would have to have their, uh, their name changed to be the, the club name itself. But yeah. I wonder, could that happen? Could that be something as, as a model for teams to say, hey, look, we're, we're facing some hard times financially. Let's, let's see if we can get some big-time sponsors like Toyota or UPS, which is now sponsoring the men's volleyball team in the Olympics. Uh, can we get somebody to be on board with that? What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think the WNBA is similar to that because I don't believe the WNBA makes money and the NBA basically pays for them. And some of the – like the Lakers, I believe, used to own the L.A. Sparks. I don't believe they do anymore. Um, they have, they still play in the same building. So it's kind of that similar model. Um, I just – I mean it could work if the right people were involved. I just don't know if it would be worth it for them to have it work that way just because – the fan base for pro beach volleyball or even pro indoor volleyball in the United States isn't as big as it, they would probably want it to be. Well, let's take it. Let's take an example of this. Uh, right now, the Dodgers are paying. Uh, I believe his last name is Kemp. He's yeah, a Matt center Kemp. fielder for them. Okay. Yep. His his contract is is like over six years, and it's like a hundred and twelve million dollars or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. If you were to take a million dollars a year off his salary, so he's still making a ton of money, a million dollars off his salary, you could conceivably have an indoor and beach team represent your city. I don't know, uh, you know how this salary structure would work exactly, but a million dollars a year would pay your coaching staff, would pay your athletes enough money to train year-round, uh, and would allow them to do others, you know, the, the ADP or whatever in the summertime as well. But that money alone, a million dollars a year per city, could fund the volleyball program. Easy. Easy. Yeah, yeah I mean, for, yeah, just one, yeah, for sure. I mean, just I'm take gonna, part of that salary away, for, absolutely. Sure. And, and now the sad part is, is that an athlete of that caliber, would he look at that million-dollar loss and say, no way, man, I'm not losing that money. Or where you look at it and say, you know what, I'm still making $10 million a year. It's not going to be that big of an issue. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just posing it out there. I wish somebody would call in or maybe somebody would write in that would say, hey, I, it's a model that's been used or it's a model that uh, we haven't thought about. I, just, I, I think there's opportunity there. And I think, I think somewhere down the line, um, we're going to have to look at different ways to make dollars. And rather than have uh, you know, companies that maybe don't have a vested interest in your sport uh, maybe you have a city uh, with major sponsors that will take an interest in housing more sports so we can gain more notoriety. That's just my thought. Yeah, I think you'd have to change the thought process of those people because now, especially in the United States, it's like I have all the money and the power, i.e., let's say the Lakers. They're like, why do I need to even bother giving you money or if one of the players, you know, I, ideally if Matt Kemp just gave me you know, <laughs> maybe $20 million, I could uh, – Put the right people in place to run a uh, beach volleyball tour. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you what. He can give me $20,000 a year, and I'll be more than happy to talk about how good he is any way he wants. <laughs> Just 20000 That's all I need. And that's probably less than his management's making. I mean, his cook, his private cook is making less than that. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, that, it's like tip money, right? 
Uh, just a, you know, I mean, I'm in the wrong business because if you're a sports agent, I'm not going to lie to you, that is a racket. And those guys are making 10% for, not, for, for negotiating a contract. And I'll tell you what, I know it's hard work, and anybody who's out there who's a sports agent who's listening, which I doubt there is, but in case there is, listen, I'm not demeaning your job, but you're definitely not worth 10% of $112 million. Sorry. I cannot wait till we get hate emails from all the sports agents that listen to the show crushing it. <laughs> Direct them to me. I'll take them. Yes. I don't care. Yes. It doesn't bother me. All the sports agents that are listening to our show. Yes, all three of you. All, yes, all two of them who just have us on mute right now. They're in the chat room, but they have us on mute. Um, Absolutely. I saw in the chat room, and I just got a text, and I have it on right now, but spoiler alert, so if you don't want to hear anything about Brazil, uh, Poland right now, Beach, you can mute me, but they're in game three, and I believe they just went away from it, but uh, Poland is up 12-11. Uh, okay. Up 13-11 game three over the Brazilians, the number one seed. Okay. And I believe the U.S. men, or is it the women, are coming up at 3 o'clock Eastern? I think the men come on uh, – I think give Rosie come on right after this. Uh, I am now uh, connecting to my iPad to watch this uh, this event so I can let you know what's going on for sure. And I believe, and I believe our U.S. men's indoor team plays later today. There's all, kind, all kinds of volleyball going on, Jay. I just don't even – you know, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm super thrilled. Get to go through withdrawal when uh, – <laughs> when the Olympics is over, I don't get to see uh, some of my friends and international players play. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a little depressing. Well, I tell you what, uh, if it means any consolation to you, Jeremy, I am actually leaving tomorrow. Uh, I am flying to Colorado Springs to the Olympic training facility. I am the assistant coach with uh, Pete Hansen and Jonah Carson for the men's junior national team, uh, and we are hosting the Norsecas this year at Colorado Springs. Uh, the tournament starts on the 27th of August. So if you are jonesing for some kind of event, uh, you can always stream online. I believe those things will be streamed, and you can watch yours truly in the background. Done, and I, and I will. Uh, right now, Brazil and Poland, spoiler alert, so uh, mute, your, mute your sound right now, is 13-0 in the third game. Oh, and Poland just hit the ball out. Yeah, yeah, I'm watching that too. Uh, maybe nobody's even listening to us and they're watching this. Uh, yeah, they're paying no attention to us. We're just doing a play-by-play of Beach on a podcast. People who listen to us later will be like, what are they talking about? Hey, you know what we need right now for some background music is some suicide doors. Why are we not listening to any of your new stuff? You know what? Um, that was a misprint by me in my email. My EP comes out on the 14th. And when I say EP, I get this question a lot. It's just a smaller version of an album. It's going to be like six to eight songs of originally produced music by me and one of my DJs. comes out next week and next Tuesday and next on next Monday's show, I'm going to world premiere the music. What? You're yes. dropping it live on the show next week. I'm excited. Yes. If you awesome. want to hear snippets of the music, you can go to uh, Suicide Doors Music on Facebook, and you can hear uh, some samples of what we have coming out. Wow. Are uh, you watching a play right now? Who's winning the match? 14 all, right? And Brazil just tied it up. Yep, 14 all. Oh, and Unbelievable. Oh, I wish I was there. I'm, I'm not going to lie, Jeremy. I'm a little jealous and a little bummed that I was not able to go to London this year and watch the events. 
Totally agree. Um, we actually have a caller in the queue. I believe it's Todd, who uh, runs Bradford Beach out there in Milwaukee, who is calling in to give us an update on the Jose Cuervo shootout that was there this weekend. Um, Todd, are you there? Jeremy, how you doing? Great, buddy. Todd, you're also on the line with Jay Hasek. Hey, Jay. How are you, man? Good, Todd. How are you doing? We're great. We're great. Got done with a good event. Actually, two really good events. We had the uh, Junior Beach National Championships <clears throat> last weekend, and then we had the uh, the Cuervo event this past weekend, and uh, Hayden and Scott beat Prosser and Mayer, and Fatma and Sweat got their first wins over uh, Kristen Batt and Raquel Ferreira. Very good event. We had a great crowd the entire week. And, uh, yeah, so it was really great. It's good to be back on the show. So what would you like to talk about? Well, I one I heard, uh, Todd, I um, saw that, I believe it was Friday night, there was kind of like a, you guys had like a skills competition with some of the pros. Is that correct? Yes. Tell tell yeah. me a little bit about that. I didn't get as much update on that, but I believe there was some serving and hitting type stuff going on. Yeah, they, <clears throat> they had all 16 athletes compete individually in five different uh, activities. And one was a kind of a crazy serve thing. Priscilla Lima did like a back kick, like a hacky sack kind of thing. She's Brazilian. Back she over her, yeah. Flipped it over the back of her head and jump served it in. And then um, – most of most of them weren't really that great. Um, just my own, because like I, like I was telling somebody, I don't ever see anybody practicing this like you see basketball guys dunking, so they have some familiarity with it. Yeah. But I did give Ty Trambley the 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 gold the gold nugget to um, to win the event. We put him on the roof of the building and have him had him skyball it into the court, which is if you've never been to Bradford before, it, it's it's actually a pretty far hit. And he landed it just in the front left corner in the in the court. The first one hit the VIP tent, but the uh, the second one went in, and it was pretty neat. It would have aced anyone, but um, yeah, I I think it's a decent idea. Um, it needs a little work, like anything for the first time. You know, I'm sure that the good folks at IMG are thinking about ways to make it better. Um, but ultimately, you know, that event I think was great. You know, and it was a good way to keep building on the idea of. A, of it being like an all-star game. Now, I heard you guys had to deal with a little bit of weather, too. Did that, uh, how bad did that affect you? Well, Chicago got crushed. We, we've we not really had any rain here in four months. And, I mean, literally, we've not had one inch of rain. And um, it was very hot on Saturday. It's been in the hundreds here, and it was in probably the mid-90s on Saturday. That storm that was looking like it was coming straight for us totally stayed south. The matchup was on the court um, <clears throat> was Doherty Patterson and Hyndon Scott in the last match of the day. And the wind picked up in the third game a little bit. And in all fairness to Patterson and Doherty, they, they were victims of two pretty tough calls at the end of the, each of their last matches. The match against um, John and Sean, there was a, a touch that was called and, you know, debatable if there was or not. And then yesterday – against uh Prosser and Mayer, same thing. They like I, I wanna say it was at like twenty that they called just a like a reversal of a, a line serve that was in. Yeah. And uh just a it's a tough way to go. I mean they lost out they you know, arguably they probably could have won both those matches and but they ended up losing. So 
it's great seeing him play. I mean, I think Ryan Doherty has a has a really good future in beach volleyball. He just needs to play more volleyball. So, gotcha. Now, um, explain a little. This was a shootout event, so you only had uh, four men's teams and four women's teams, correct? Yep, we had. So explain, uh, explain the format a little bit, because most people, uh, especially out here, you know, we're open to our. Uh, we're more used to. The opens where you have twenty four team right. draw, thirty two team main draw. So tell me a little bit about the shootout format because I know everybody made it to Sunday, regardless what their record was. Right, right. The uh, so basically two fourteen pools of each gender. So they did a round robin just like the old Querville Gold Crowns in the day, and um, they bring everybody back for two semis and a final. And you could tell that um, not necessarily that some teams weren't playing as hard Saturdays they were Sunday, but you could tell that some of the plays that, the, you know, some of the ways they were, they were playing, especially Sean and John, and they, they picked up their game on Sunday. Unfortunately, uh, Ty Trampley hurt his shoulder, and I know he felt horrible. Um, so that really kind of threw things off. Yeah. That, you know, he, he couldn't even play on Sunday, so it was just a forfeit for Sean and John into the finals. Um, we also put with it, I know, Jay, you were talking about this, this is something I wanted to, you know, talk a little bit more about, is we also do – an amateur with this and Jose Cuervo puts prize money towards. So we had 60 teams on Saturday and ironically the Milwaukee shootout champions on the women's last year, Sheila Shaw and Catherine Babcock, they won the open this year. So they played in the, the other division and we had really, really good teams. Unfortunately our men's semis and finals in the open got uh, wiped out by the rain, more the lightning than the rain, but, um, it was a really good event. We had, we had co-ed at, uh, we had a court, co-ed fours event with the pros yesterday. Well, we put the finals of the co-ed in between the women's and men's finals, and it's largely all like the top regional and local players, and it's always a really entertaining match. Good way to, you know, kind of keep the locals involved. And, um, yeah, we just had a packed house all weekend. It was awesome. That's great. I've heard nothing but good things about your venue and the event that you guys put on, uh, sorry I couldn't be there this year. I was a little bit bummed about that, but uh, I got to be at surf bed, so, you know, it's not as bad as most people would think. But uh appreciate you calling in, Todd, give us an update on that event, and hopefully I can be there next year. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I I think it's great that we, you know, we have the ability to host Pro Beach Volleyball in Milwaukee. I know, Jay, you were mentioning about how you can build a better model for beach volleyball I think we have a, a great venue where we combine the ability to sell the product of the sponsor at the event on a public beach, which isn't always the case. I mean, you can sell alcohol, which is um, which is a massive privilege, but we do other, <clears throat> you know, for in 10 days we had the Junior National Championships. We had two big corporate volleyball events, live music, rugby, and soccer that went with this event. So there was a a pretty solid level of traffic all weekend. And there were, I mean, even as recently as this morning, people coming up to me and and beach volleyball is still kind of a little bit like a novelty where they see the pros and they think it's, wow, this is really, really neat. And Sean and I were talking about this yesterday. And the more we can do with these venues where where people are really interested in it, the better the sport's going to be because I can tell you the money's there. It's just a lot of times where these events go, there isn't a host promoter. There isn't really anything there other than it's a beach. And 
you know, you got to take on all the costs to make that event happen. It's really difficult. So you know, you know, Todd, I, I hear you mention that, and, and I, you know, the EBP did a nice job uh, where they have you know people that represent their city, and they would travel right. up and down on the East Coast and do their tours, and and I just wonder. Uh, if you had, uh, you know, teams that were, let's say, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, you were you were the volleyball team that was the Bucks uh, against a team from L.A. that would be the Lakers and a team from Dallas that would be the Mavericks, there would be all of a sudden this buzz that we're, we're right at the coattails of other teams, but it's an established team that people can recognize. And people may not recognize Gibb and Rosenthal, and, and for surely they would not recognize, you know, Ty Trambley and, and Ty Loomis. But if Trambley were, you know, sponsored by uh, the Clippers, you know, now all of a sudden people understand who the Clippers are, and so there might be some, there might be something here, and and, and you might be connected to somebody, maybe somebody listening to the show might be connected to somebody who's in the know or in the marketing departments, but there's something there. The EVP has latched onto something, and I hope and pray that someone down the line, it won't take a ton of money, but it would take just somebody with the with the, the ability to think outside the box that would be able to attach to these bigger teams. I bet you a person to talk to would be Cuban, Mark Cuban from uh, Dallas, because he understands the benefits of athletics. He understands marketing. He understands putting together a great product. I bet you yeah. he'd be somebody who could get on board with this and help grow our sport to a national level that people now all of a sudden aren't looking at going, hmm, why are they wearing bikinis and tight little shorts, whereas opposed yeah. to now it's, hey, these are great athletes doing some really tough things on the sand. It, it's a it's a very delicate balance. I think it's going to have to happen, and this is something Sean and John and I talked about at the weekend. Is that when you pay the athletes, you pay some of the athletes to be in the event, and you make the other athletes have to pay an entry fee. That's not a good mix because I think there's some situations currently that where that happens. And the athletes that are being paid, maybe they earned it, maybe it's debatable, whatever. But point is, there's other athletes that are very close to the caliber. So either you got to pay them all, or you just go strictly on their performance. I think there is a way. Maybe it's a smaller 16-team kind of thing, like you're talking about, where you know a, a sports company or a sports you know team adopts adopts players and they represent at them, but yeah, I know they used to do this on the golf tour, um, where they had a guy that would, you know, paint Stewart, he'd wear the the outfit of the city he was in for whatever team it was. You know, I, I think that there's ways of doing that, and you know, IMG is obviously a really good one when it comes to sports marketing. The only thing that I find, and and there was a, a lot of talk about this too, there's going to have to be a lot more training at the professional level because there is a pretty big gap in the teams. And, you know, you can look at Sean and John and how polished they are when they want to turn it on. It's just it's just a different style of volleyball as opposed to a team, nothing against Matt Prosser and John Mayer, but they're not really playing together this year. So you can see all those little things that that get kind of, get kind of lost when they're not training all the time. Well, so, when you when – when, but I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you look at you know the, the example I gave earlier, and I don't know if you were listening to the show or not, but I said if you were to take a million dollars a year from an athletic team, you know, in your city. So for example, the Dallas Mavericks uh, take a million dollars of their of their profits and they sponsor a beach volleyball team. If you were to uh, you know pay those athletes to train year round, 
uh, and have year-round events. Where I think in the wintertime they had you know the hot volley nights in the summer, in the summer hot winter nights, whatever it was called. You know those athletes. Part of the volleyball appeal, and you know this as well as anybody, is that these athletes are very approachable. They're they're recognizable to the people in the community that know them. You know they're, they're approachable when they're on the streets. They're not you know they don't have an entourage of people around them that are keeping people at bay. I think that's part of the sport's appeal. And so a million dollars, and I think Todd, you would agree with this, is is a lot of money to pay. You know, a couple of teams from each city to travel around, pay for their entry fees, represent the city in a fine way. And, you know, as the years go on, maybe you keep those two athletes, maybe you have a draft uh, where you pick up other up-and-coming athletes, maybe at a cheaper price, keep a high-profile athlete at a higher cost. There's ways to do this. I can't imagine a million dollars would not be enough to have that happen. Well, when when someone, and we had a lot of um, – people at the event that it was their first time ever at a professional beach volleyball event that are, are very well to do here in the, in the Milwaukee area. A lot of them <clears throat> saw what was going on with the stadium and the VIP and, and all that. And, and they're like, why don't, why are we not doing this every weekend? And, you know, Cuervo is the first group that has really put their commitment in with IMG to say, we're going to do this the right way. We're not going to go, you know, it's it's going to be professional every way through. And in order for you to attract somebody that has that kind of checkbook, you know, it's got to be done the right way because my business partner here, you know, he looks at things and we say, okay, we need to go to this level. Well, he's a mile down the road. He's, he's already saying, no, 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 we're going much higher than this. So we had the VIP yesterday. I mean, you're eating sushi. You're eating some of the some of the best food. Everything is done perfectly. And so in order for you to attract that kind of an idea, there has to be something existing, which I think what the Cuervo Tour is finally getting the traction to where you can go to it and it looks right and feels right. To be able to say to whatever, Mark Cuban or somebody else that's out there, here's an idea. And, yeah, what a million dollars to those guys. I mean, that's like walk-around money, you know. Right. And, you know, they, they could – but the, the template has to be solid. You're going to have to have somebody that can build the facility or build the venue, take it down, all that infrastructure stuff so that you can put a 16-team branded event together as opposed to it looking like just another volleyball tournament, you know? So, Well, look at at the the, the model I always tell everybody about is the ATP. You have – Four major events that happen throughout the world at different times of year. You've got um, you've got Wimbledon, you've got the Australian Open, you've got the the French Open, and you've got the U.S. Open in New York. And each one of those are obviously attended by not only the top athletes in the sport, but also by you know major players in the game and people that are just giant fans. But along the way, there are satellite events that happen usually within this, in the surrounding cities to get people acclimated to the climate, to the environment, to the time change. And I'm wondering why the AVP can't do something like that, where you would have a major, the four majors that I can think of is you'd have Manhattan Beach, you'd have Switzerland, you'd have Australia, and you've had Brazil would be the four major stops throughout the year, because obviously you've got two different two different hemisphere changes and two different places that are, so they both mean the same, you can have throughout the year, but you can have minor, smaller events throughout the year around those surrounding cities. Yeah. And I just I, I I think if we're right on the cusp of actually making this type of stuff happen, if we can just get some big players to jump on board, and I know that's always the case, why can't we get somebody to jump on board with some money? Well, oh. because the model has been has been broken, 
and they're looking at this event as being, you know, run by some haphazard people in years past. Maybe somebody somewhere down the line here can kind of can kind of pick it up, pick up the ball and run with it. So uh, I, I invite your final thoughts on that, and then we got to move on. Now, yeah, I, I'll just leave you with this. I, I think that many of the conversations I've, I've had privately with IMG about from the very high end to the very low end, as you know, Cuervo has always been a sponsor of literally the entire sport from top to bottom. Um, there's going to be something in the future to cater to those people, whether you're at the professional level or you're a grassroots recreation level player. They, they, they want the grassroots because that's the consumer. And so you have a sponsor that's there. You have other sponsors like Spalding and others that are putting resources in the sport because it's closer to their consumer. The thing that has to happen next is that you need to put these events in cities not saying Milwaukee being one of them, but, you know, obviously we have a promoter in place where it's turnkey for them to show up. They're not figuring out literally anything more than what sure. they just need to do to get the volleyball done. Sure. You me 12 or 18 of those locations can make it work. And, and, and they're on, they, we, we're all on that same level of thinking. It's just unfortunately, you know, it, it's taken some, well, we got to be in this spot and that spot and then realize, well, Maybe we really don't have to be here, and and I think those are the things we're just learning. And let's let's just leave it at this: you couldn't have a better group in IMG and Jose Cuervo in front of it right now because they're the ones that are putting the money into it and making it happen. So these players like a Sean Scott and John Hyten can actually make a living or some kind of living. So yeah. at least it's there now. Yeah. Well, thanks, John. We appreciate your uh, your time, and, and, and I extended the call a little bit for you. I hope I didn't take anything away from you. But, oh, no. Uh, no it's we definitely appreciate your time. Well, Jeremy, it's good seeing you. Thanks for the reference on Dustin. He was a great announcer. I wish you guys could have been here. And uh, let's just keep on moving the sport forward, huh? I agree. Thanks, Todd. I really appreciate it. All right. See you guys. All right, bye. See ya. I finally got to meet Todd in person at the uh, Chicago event a couple weeks ago, Jay. And a great guy, loves the sport of volleyball, obviously wants what's best for it like we all do. Um, that His venue has an advantage for sure. Um, it's already set in place. You don't have to bring in a bunch of – you don't have to bring in a huge stadium to set it up. I'm sure they already have courts there. I mean, it's just minor setup to put, you know, a pretty big-sized event at his location. Yeah, I, I think he's absolutely nailed it on the head. There are a few locations throughout the world uh, that have the venue already set up. It's it's basically a turnkey operation. Um, and I, I think, like I said, I think there's, we're ripe for the opportunity here. It's just got to take somebody with the ability to think outside the box to, to kind of jump on board and, and, and see if we can make something happen. So I, I, hope and, I hope and pray it does. I'd sure love to see volleyball back in the forefront and not on the back burner like it's been. Totally. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I promise we'll have uh, Kevin Barnett's update. I mean, the show's been going so well, Jay, I don't even know what to do anymore. (laughs) Uh, Do we really need those schmucks anymore? You know, we probably really don't. I mean, you know, Reed could come back with metal, and we may not have let him back on the show. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else they could add to the the conversations that we haven't already covered, so. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right, you're listening to The Net Live. We'll be right back. 
Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to the sport's biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag. to the net live just getting people fired up jay where are you pogoing and uh wherever you are right I, now? i you know i was actually thinking in my head i was bouncing up and down i was going to text yeah. you and let you know it sounded good seeing yourself in a club just <laughs> until next week when you hear my music jay frosty beverage in hand bouncing around by the way speaking of bouncing around if you're not watching usa men uh taking on latvia right now we're up 10-7 in the first i like it um, I have good news and bad news, Jay. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? I always like the bad news first because it can go nowhere but up from there. That's right. I like that. I'm the same way. The bad news is Whitney Pavlik will not be able to join us today. A friend of hers had a baby, and Whitney is on her way to the hospital to see that baby, and I totally understand, but she will be on the show next week. Uh, a bummer for sure, especially because I coached her younger sister, Chelsea, for a year, uh, who is an awesome person, and the Pavlik family is top-notch. So, bummer I don't get the chance to catch up with her, but oh well. The good news, though, is you just get more of Jay and I. So, there you go, everybody. Congratulations. More DJ Ruscha and Jay Hasek. Jeremy, Jeremy, you, you said there was bad news and good news, not bad news and great news. Uh, yeah, you I, know what? You're I, right. That was a poor <laughs> choice of words by me. I can uh, clip that audio out and uh, switch it for the uh, podcast. <laughs> I am surprised that none of my friends have called in the heckle yet. I have uh, mentioned to all of them, feel free to call in and give me a give me a chance uh, to to fight for myself. But uh, I think it's probably better that you and I just keep rolling with it. So. Well, we had a caller at one point, but uh, they called in when Todd from Milwaukee was dominating, so I couldn't get onto them, and they hung up. So if they want to call back, I believe it was a seven one four number. They are more than welcome to call back. Seven one four. And I know uh, Dustin Aval, who is a uh, frequent uh, contributor to the show, 
who was the MC for the uh, Cuervo event this weekend, is going to call in for a little quick update as well. But before awesome. we get to that, let's hear uh, let's hear from one of our own, Kevin Barnett. Barney. Now on the chat room, it's asked if he's going to mention any uh, motocross or, or motocross or flag football. His update from London. Um, so we're we're all going to find out together. I actually know, but I would like you all to find out on your own. So here you go, everybody. Kevin Barnett, all the way from the Olympic Games. Hey, NetLive listeners, this is Kevin Barnett sitting in on a Monday morning, beautiful Monday morning in what has been uh, typically non-British weather, I guess, because it has been mostly sunny, only a couple of days of rain here in London. Coming off another great of great day of indoor volleyball action, women finishing a pool play yesterday with a victory over Turkey in what was a hard-fought, well-played match. Uh, some concern, though, for Lindsey Berg, who left the match late with a calf injury. A little communication with Lindsey this morning. She says she doesn't know the extent of it yet, but she is optimistic. So we'll see with the U.S. women. I believe in Courtney Thompson. I think that is a fantastic group. I still think they can do it. They certainly have been the class of the tournament. On the men's side, I know you've had a chance to watch as both the men and the women have been on an incredible amount during this Olympics. But the men have been a revelation. All of a sudden, they are good. They're back to their form. They're playing well. Defeated number one Brazil, and then that Russia match oh, had match point in the third set and then just kind of gave it away from there, unable really to recover. But still, I think a success against a team that they have typically not performed well against. Had a chance to talk to Reed. He said that they would like a rematch. We'll have to see how pool play finishes up today. The American men with a victory over Tunisia will, in fact, take their pool. And Brazil will finish in that pool along with Russia. And then you're looking at Germany or Serbia. One of those two teams will qualify. We'll come down to the final night. And an interesting thing about the qualification is that wins and losses don't matter. It comes down to points. The point system, three points for a win in three sets, three points for a win in four sets, and two points for a win in five sets, and one point for a loss in five sets. That's the determining factor as the finishing order in the pool. And the tiebreaker is, in fact, the ratio of points scored during all of your matches. Not the match points, mind you, not that three points I just mentioned, but the actual point score, the game scores, the ratio of points scored versus points against is the tiebreaker. Nowhere in the formula are wins and losses. Simply unbelievable. So you can have at that and discuss if you think that's a good idea. Wins and losses don't really matter. It's just points. So have at it with that. Otherwise, here, Earl's Court, been a great venue. It's out in West London, pretty well spread out from the rest of the games, a little bit separate from the Olympic Park, but had an opportunity to get out to Beach, which is not too far away, just five tube stops away. Got out to see Larissa and Juliana last night, right after Kessie Ross qualified. So been fun to make it out there a couple of times. Also saw Misty May trainer and Carrie Walsh Jennings play back in pool play. So it's been a good Olympics for volleyball thus far. We'll see what happens with the women. Jake and Rosie are up today. And we'll see what happens with the indoor side of things. I think everything looking good outside of Phil and Todd's unfortunate loss. Games have been well organized. The weather has been terrific for the most part. The vibe in the city is very cool. 
This is an awesome city. If you've never had a chance to come to London, I recommend it. Just don't drive. The traffic is on par with Los Angeles. It is a, a really neat city, lots of sights to see, really cool stuff throughout. Been out to the Tower of London, been out to Wimbledon, been out to a lot of cool places. So one week to go, lots of volleyball action to come. And keep in mind, everything's been on NBC, NBC Sports Network. Been holding down NBC Sports Network in the afternoons and NBC in the weekend afternoons. And I think you will again see the women's indoor and the men's indoor on prime time. Keep in mind, when it goes to prime time, that's a positive. You don't get as much game action for you volleyball purists out there. You get less game action, but the bottom line is the sport gets exposed and NBC is pumped on volleyball and beach volleyball. So that's good for the sport all around. So best of luck to all the athletes. Thanks to Jay Rowe and Jay Hasek and Geeter and Dustin and everybody for holding down the, the fort back there, Alzina. We appreciate it. And the shows have been good. Been listening in while falling asleep and fighting jet lag during the first week over here. So I hope you have a great show today. And go United States. Ah, <clears throat> dominating from London, by the way. Yeah, doing a really nice job out there. He actually, we've gotten uh, some emails and stuff on our Facebook page about how good of a job Kevin is actually doing on the broadcast, and I couldn't agree more. No, I, I, I would echo that sentiment as well. There's, there's some, uh, some new blood being introduced to the world of volleyball announcing, and Kevin is leading that charge. And by no means am I saying that because I want to win the fifth man award for the show, <laughs> uh, but, but I am saying it because uh, Kevin really is doing a nice job. What he's doing is he's updating the style of announcing to what we actually want to hear uh, rather than the typical, this is what the libero does and why they wear a different colored jersey. This is what the first four games scoring is and the fifth game scoring to actually why we're doing certain things in a match, things to look forward to. And Kevin, you're doing a great job and, and could not be more happy for you. Yeah, that's one thing I've noticed this Olympics compared to uh, the last two that I remember really paying attention to the announcing, beach and indoor. They're not explaining every little thing about the game in every single match that I watch. You know, it's not like, oh, he hit that this way because of this. Or they're not explaining every little minute detail. They're kind of telling you more of the strategy of like, okay, here's why Hugh made this sub. Or I don't think this substitution worked out. Or here's why Jake and Rosie are doing this, or why are you guys serving Jake every ball because he's siding out at a hundred percent clip? You know, they're right. not explaining every little thing and driving me crazy. Right. No, I agree. And you know, the, the people that put volleyball on, and there's some subjects here that, that Barney talked about that I definitely want to touch on a little bit. But the, the people that put on volleyball matches, whether it's the Big Ten Network or Fox Sport Network or, or whoever's doing it. They would do themselves and their viewers a real service by not only having your, your top-of-the-line professional guy who is you know, doing most of the announcing, but bring on a coach. Bring on uh, someone who is involved in the sport on a daily basis. There's lots of us out there that would love to be involved in something that would give the viewer an insight as to why a coach does a certain thing in a match or what to look for when we run this certain play or why this sub uh, might be used in, in, in this timeout or, you know, things of that nature. Because what happens now is that people get an inside look 
they don't just they, they don't just look at the game as a topical version of you know their backyard picnic game and go oh somebody hit the ball hard. You actually get to see and hear why things are done, and it, it would really help the game grow. I think, but that's that's my own two cents. I've liked watching some of the stuff live online, and they haven't had uh, the last few matches I've had to watch on you because we've been doing the show. But before, at least, they were showing the match, and there's no commentary. So you're hearing right. a lot of the dialogue from the players during the right. rally, and then especially in the box, you can hear them clearly. And I think that is that is great. And they try to do that on the live broadcast. I hear them say, "Oh, you know, let's listen to them in the box," and you hear Jen and April a little bit. But I feel like online, I can I get a lot more detail about what they're saying and doing, and I think that helps and grows the sport and teaches people what's really good. Yeah, no, I would agree. Can, can you still hear me? You cut out a little bit. Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Uh, uh, just just uh, an update right now. U.S. is up 18-16 in the doubles match, uh, given Rosie. Um, you know, Kevin talked about uh, the women's team and about Berg and, and not knowing, and I, and I wonder, uh, you know, if, if she will be available to go tonight. I know she's going to do her best, too. But I, I echo that sentiment again. Courtney Thompson would be a great choice tonight to start that team, and I sure hope – uh, the U.S. will, uh, you know, they're obviously going to do what's best. Hugh and company know what they're doing, obviously, having worked with him for a number of years. I know that he thinks about this game on an entirely different level, and I'm sure he's going to make the right choice. Um, the, the ratio of the win-loss points uh, I thought was a huge thing. Some people may not understand, you know, when you look at the win-loss, you think, oh, well, they've got three wins, and, and the other team's got three wins, but that team beat them head-to-head. Uh, the the, the win-loss ratio, not only do you now take – uh, you know, the wins uh, is counting a certain amount of points. And even if you lose, you still get a certain amount of points. But now you take it in the point scoring ratio, that means that every point that they score is crucial. And what that does is that that eliminates teams from just kind of, you know, chunking it all in and, and throwing in their B squad when they're getting beat because they need every single point in case something like this comes up. So uh, that's, a big, that's a big deal there. Um, I should hope uh, that two things happen. One, that you guys create not only a shirt or a mug that says, I got next set, but <laughs> one that says, I got high fibers for everyone, uh, yes. you know, in that life. Uh, and also, maybe if this, this year that we do another, you know, five out of six gold medals, maybe somebody in the video game world will create some video games, uh, both indoor and beach, that are more like Madden-style games where it's realistic as opposed to the, uh, you know, the outlaw volleyball where it's these, you know, chicks in little scantily clad bikinis that if you score a certain amount of points, they take the top off. Let's yeah. get away from the actual video game stuff and let's go to the real, realistic games. That would be really fun. I know there's a large market for it. Uh, you would get a lot of uh, pervy people to get that video game, that is for sure. Possibly <laughs> me included, but I don't want to say anything. <laughs> Well, that one's already out there. I'd like one that's more realistic. I'd like oh, to see. Gotcha. I'd like to see one where you're actually playing the game rather than you know uh, an actual video video game where where things are done with uh, you know high flying colors and things of that nature. Totally. Um, yeah. I will say that watching, I learned volleyball playing on the beach, and my girlfriend played indoor volleyball in college, so we come from a little bit different angles of watching the indoor matches and uh she's been we the only fights we ever have are about indoor volleyball when I'm yelling at the TV saying how is that not a throw how is that not a double how is that not a lift how can you set the ball when your hands are 3 feet behind your head I don't get it and she just looks at me and says that's how they play the game and I don't like it Jay 
but it's really hurting my relationship. I'm not going to lie to you. Where, now, where did she play college? Do you know? Uh, IPFW. Oh, she played uh, out in, uh, in good old Fort Wayne, Indiana, huh? Yes, she did. She was the uh, uh-huh. libero, or uh, libero, as I've heard them say on the uh, broadcast. Uh, the, the coaches, we just call it the bro. Yeah, just the bro. Yeah, she's the bro. Yeah, uh, yeah well, you know, it, it is a much different game, and, and some people think uh, our indoor game is, is being bastardized with all these rule changes, allowing for more longer rallies. I, I'm I'm kind of along the, the, the fence. I like I like that it opens up a few more options, but I'm also a purist because I like to see the game played at a high level with skills that uh, made the game as great as it was. So, um, yeah, there's there's some ugliness going on there, and, and we'll see which way the rule changes come down for sure. Well, and I, I trust me, I know every single guy on our national team could play with the quote-unquote older rules and the new rules, so I'm not concerned about them being as good of athletes. Um, or having the skills needed to play this sport. And sometimes I just uh, say things to Nicole just to upset her because I know it does while we're watching the indoors. <laughs> uh, but uh, right. there, there's some other questionable things I had about the beach. What I've noticed is that I feel like, and maybe this is a TV thing, that NBC is really moving these games along. There's not a lot of downtime between the points. And I've noticed that the referees, that up-ref, will not go down to look at a questionable ball mark. I haven't seen one ref get off the stand to go down to look at a close ball that they've said either is hit the line or is out. And on the replay, you know, it just I feel like it needs closer eyes to it, but they refuse to go down. Do you think that's something that NBC is saying behind the scenes, like we need to move the match along, or the referee, head referees that talked about that before? I'm just confused. Well, I, I know there's a down ref that's probably a little bit more mobile, uh, and they have not shown it, but I would assume that the down ref is the one going to check out the ball marks, not the up ref on top. Uh, secondly, uh, yeah, they are moving along at a faster pace, um, and some questionable calls. You know, the, the thing I wonder is, when are we going to bring instant replay into this thing, you know, allow maybe two, question, uh, two conflicts of a, a, a game where a team can say, no, no, there was a touch, and then you watch the slow roll. Because yesterday, watching the Russians play us, they, were, they got jobbed on a couple of calls. I'm yep, not going to lie absolutely. to you. And if you have the opportunity, like they do in tennis, to uh, you know throw in a flag, so to speak, and say, hey, I want to I contest that call, there might have been some changes, and that outcome might have been a little bit different. I think we're a little bit behind the times in that. I'd like to see us kind of get more up to speed with the rest of the world in terms of instant replay. I think it could be highly used, especially on the micro-touches uh, and you know some of the lines calls. So I don't know. Uh, that's my two cents. Well, and some of that, too, I mean, that's not – that ball is moving so fast or it's barely touched the blocker's hands. There's no way – the referee can see that or even hear it in real time. I mean, there's just no right. way you can do that. So it's not the ref's fault that they missed the call. But right. like interesting, all of these players, whether the call is going their way or not, overall they're all going to want the game to be called correctly. You know, yes. if, if slow-mo doesn't give you a definitive way, whether it was in or out, then you just go with the call like you do in football. But you have the technology. It takes two seconds for the down ref to turn around, go over to the head, other referees that are sitting on the sidelines, Show me the replay, in, out, touch, whatever. Um, you just I, I want the game to be played. I just want the right calls, regardless whether they go for me or against me. If, they, if, the, uh, if the television crews are able to show the high-speed slow motion, and I know that's an oxymoron, but they yeah. take it at so many frames per second, and when they play it in real time, it's incredibly slow. 
it's incredibly clear to see. If they can do that in between points already, I agree with you, Jeremy. Why are they not putting a camera behind the down ref, allowing uh, you know, the teams to make the calls themselves? If they see something that they think is clearly against them, you get maybe two contests a game or a set. You know, that, that would throw a little bit different, uh, a little bit of a monkey wrench maybe to some of these matches. There might be some different outcomes because we all know this game is all fought on momentum. And if you get a call a call against you and you're still stuck on that point, two or three points down the line, all of a sudden you got, you know, a three-point lead against you. That, that, that could change things. So, uh, yeah, I wish they would do something like that. Well, I, I mean, I just think it's a matter of time. And it's really as fast-paced as they're moving these games on the Olympics one replay or two during each set or even the entire match is not going to slow the game down so much, especially right. when I'm sure they're showing replays in the stadium Yeah, and the crowd seeing that. I mean, if, every, yeah, yeah. if all of us see that there was a touch or the ball was in or the ball was out, everybody knows what really happened, but they still won't yeah. overturn the call. I think that hurts not just volleyball, but any sport. It absolutely does. If you, uh, I know that in some... Uh, in some indoor matches I've been a part of, they'll have instant replay going on up above. And <laughs> those other refs refuse to look upstairs because they know for a fact that they may have made a wrong call and they don't want to acknowledge it. And of course. the crowd knows it, oh, it, it gets ugly. And, and as a referee, I wouldn't want to either because it's, you know, it's a little bit degrading, but if you get to the point where like we just want to make the game correct, it's not showing them up when the ball hits Jen Kessie's pinky barely. Right. There's no way the ref is going to see that. So let's just let's get it done correctly. Right. No, I agree. I agree. Who knows? Maybe the powers that be someday will make that happen. Yeah. And I was watching the Jen match too when I found this interesting that she called a medical timeout the night before because her feet were freezing. And, <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, she called a medical timeout because she couldn't feel her feet. So they brought warm water over to her. They're rubbing her feet. But then the next night uh, during the match, Marlo and Kevin Wong were talking about how she cannot take another medical timeout for the same reason. Ah, uh, so in other words, she should have learned her lesson and maybe worn sand socks or something to keep uh, her feet warm. Apparently, but I find that interesting. Like, let's say you have a pulled calf muscle and you pull it in a match. You know, you call a medical timeout. Then the next night you're playing, you feel fine, and then all of a sudden that, that calf tightens up or you pull it again. You can't call another medical timeout to get it looked at? No, I think I think what they're talking about is uh, that is a judgment call uh, by the player to not wear something to protect their feet. Uh, in tennis or in any other sport, if you pull a muscle, that's that's not uh, a choice. Uh, you you can't say, well, I'm going to run this uh, this ball down and I'm going to get you know a pulled calf muscle and I'm going to do it three or four times in a row and be able to call that timeout and slow the game down. Jen can easily wear some sandals, make that. Uh, decision for the following night, say, hey, the sand was too cold, my feet got cold, and I, and I had club feet. Um, I think that's a, a player decision, and that's why she's not allowed to make that call. Gotcha. That makes sense. She, uh, They yeah. were talking on the broadcast that, and they made this distinct point to say that she borrowed the hotel slippers and had, like, little uh, warmers in them and would put her feet in those during timeouts, and she had sure. a little a little uh, cooler of hot water that she would put her feet in as well, which I found highly interesting. Sure. Well, you remember tennis back in the day, Venus Williams, when she had her hair uh, with the beads in her hair. And remember there was a match when some of the beads fell out uh, during the points. And what happened was the, the up ref allowed her to make a decision to either take the beads out or continue play. 
Uh, and as the match, she chose to, to keep them in and keep playing. She thought maybe that the problem had been solved. As the match wore on, more beads fell off, and she was dinged. Um, I don't know if she was dinged a point. Uh, it might have been the case. I, I think she was. Uh, but she was being, um, it was considered delay of the game. And too many of those, and you weren't dinged massive points. And she was like, well, but there's nothing I can do. And the ref said, no, you're, you have a choice. The choice is you can take a timeout, take those beads out, or you can continue to play, but the decision is yours. And so I think that's the same category that Jen was maybe being thrown into. Gotcha. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yep. Well, we have another caller in the queue. I think um, he is definitely wants to be in the running for it's the Fifth Man Award. Is that what we called it last year? I don't remember. Was it Fifth uh, Man? Something like that. Yeah. Fifth Man, Eighth Man, something like that. Yeah, so uh, here he has been a uh, co-host on the show before. He was in Milwaukee this past weekend announcing for the uh, Jose Cuervo Milwaukee shootout. His name is Dustin Aval. Dustin. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great, bud. What's going on? Uh, nice to hear from you. Did you feel like Jay's kind of taking your place? You had to call in, or was it because I was texting you telling you to call in and give us an update? Yeah, I mean, last year I think you gave the fifth-handed residence I'll get it or something like that. I'm, I'm making my play for the 2012 awards, and you guys are talking about Serena Williams and beads in her hair. I mean, <laughs> clearly <laughs> clearly without me, you need some help. I'm just kidding, Obviously. guys. So uh, yeah. I was going to go to motocross pre- before too long to get the vote. <laughs> just stay away from flag football. No yeah, I was, in Milwaukee. I was in Milwaukee this weekend with the players and with Todd Gransky, who I heard on earlier, Bradford Beach. It was my first time ever at a Midwestern event. All the AVP and Cuervo and all those other tours that we've had, events that I've been at or either working or as a spectator have been West Coast. So it was my first time seeing how they did things in the Midwest, and i got to give Todd and his crew props because they've got it dialed in there. They know exactly what they're doing. Like you were saying earlier, it's a, it's a prefabbed tournament spot, if you will. I mean, they know how to market it. They know who's going to come. One of the things that... I don't know if you mentioned earlier, is I think it makes a pretty attractive location for some of the bigger sponsors like Jose Cuervo because there's alcohol on the beach. A lot of our you know, Cal- California locations, um, they have the parties at, at you know, the local bars or at a hotel suite or something like that, but because of the rules on Lake Michigan and, and I imagine some of the other locations throughout the Midwest and maybe the East as well, maybe more attractive to... Jose Cuervo and some of those other competitors. What was uh, what was your overall impression with the play of the athletes? I know it was a little bit different format where it was a shootout, so everybody got to make it to Sunday. Todd said, um, and this may be human nature, like you could tell, like maybe they weren't playing as hard on Saturday, and then Sunday you could just tell they really turned it on. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that assessment. Uh, it was a weird format. So Friday night we got there and had this all-pro skills competition, first time I'd ever heard of that. It was kind of like the NBA three-point contest and slam dunk championship or whatever. There was a serving and, and passing and that sort of thing. And, um, you, you know, getting the players buy-in to come in early and, and try to do that was maybe one of the challenging things. And then Saturday was pool play just proceeding into Sunday. So Todd's absolutely right. You saw some things like uh, Brooke Sweat and Jennifer Fatma, who eventually went on to win, uh, Brooke was blocking, and nice. you know five six or five seven. I I don't think I've ever seen her block, but um, unfortunately, some of the some of the stuff didn't work out too well. Like Ty Trambley had some uh, issues and, and an injury, and so he 
battled through it on Saturday and then tried to come back on Sunday morning and get treatment and everything like that and, and couldn't do it. And they, Ty and Avery ended up forfeiting their semifinal match. But absolutely the play on, on Sunday was you know, top-notch and definitely way more intense than anything on Saturday. But the crowd may have been a little – there were more people there probably on Saturday. They had just two courts going. A feature court one kind of had a naturally built amphitheater with stairs going up to the to the concession stand and there were people sitting there all day and center court in the stadium was a little bit empty on Saturday but on Sunday like I said they they know their volleyball there they're all big fans of the beach game and, and Todd uh, really did a good job to get his crew around and they had a couple of other tournaments going as well well to your point about and I have to explain this to people sometimes when they see photos or online stuff like like oh on Saturday like oh the stadium is not packed the stadium is yeah. never packed on Saturday I mean you watch any other sport tennis whatever that has a stadium their stadiums aren't packed the entire event I mean there's so much other stuff going on outside of the one court that people are going to be spread thin and then as the tournament goes on everything gets more compact and finally usually like the last few matches are on stadium court so then that's when you're going to get packed in so i just have to remind people that just because it doesn't look packed on saturday does not mean that there's not a lot of people there yeah it was uh that was definitely the case sunday all the matches were played on the stadium so even though we started a little bit early about 11 o'clock or so it, it got pretty packed and just continued to increase from then um Cuervo and IMG do a great job with this event. It is a shootout, so it's invite only. The teams had to either win an event or if they finished second to a team who had previously won an event, they got an invite. For instance, Ty Trambley and, and Avery Drost finished second in Chicago, but because uh, Sean and John were already in, um, they and so were uh, Ryan Doherty and Casey Patterson, they got the invite. And then the fourth men's team was Matt Prosser who filled in for Brad Keenan, who's in London, and and Johnny Mayer, and they ended up just getting beat in the finals by Sean John. Now tell me about the women's finals. Uh, Fatma Sweat won their first event together ever, and it went three, and I think you said the score in the uh, third was 17-15, if, I, if I'm correct. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jen and Brooke looked, looked good. Of course, of course, Kristen Batten and Raquel Fajara are the ones that took down Whitney and Jenny, which was the first time all season that they hadn't, let a, I mean, let alone won the tournament. They weren't in the finals, right? Uh, all you had to do was win. On the Cuervo Tour, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think Jen and Brooke may have won, like, one of those USAV IDQ events, but they've been really knocking on the door this year. Uh, I think they have two-thirds and a second. second was in Hermosa just most recently. So they've definitely been going the right direction. And it was a battle. It went three, 17-15 in the third, right on the shores of Lake Michigan, where the wind was gusting in all sorts of different directions. So, uh, you know, one side was the good side, and then five minutes later was the bad side. And uh, there were a couple of times I heard you talking earlier about up refs getting down. Jen Fatma got pretty fired up at some of the um, referee uh, the inability that they were to, to get off the stand and take a look at the ball mark, which, you know, you always love when there's some color and some excitement out there, as opposed to just the the play, but congratulations to Jen and Brooke and also to Sean and John for taking down the Milwaukee shootout. Awesome. Well, it sounds like a great event, and I've heard nothing but good things about you announcing that event. I've had to remind people it's not necessarily your first time announcing, but your first time doing it solo. You've uh, filled in for Geeter a few times, and uh, you filled in for uh, your BFF Romo this weekend who couldn't be there. 
Um, how how was that for you, kind of being solo? I wasn't there to uh, hold your hand through the event. How how was the vibe for you? Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it was it was good. Like I said, Sunday was a lot easier than Saturday because the fans are there and they're excited. Um, I this is uh, this is going to come off as a as a good compliment for DJ Rouché, but it's a lot different doing an event when there's not a DJ who's playing you know tunes that are accompanying the energy or the lack thereof on center court. We busted out a couple of waves, including you know the slow mo wave and the super super fast wave, but we don't have the music to accompany it, so it takes a little bit for the crowd to get understanding of what's going on, and they just kind of take a little more coaxing. Um, you know, the things going through, it's, I think it's a little more difficult, but Milwaukee made it as easy as, as they possibly could. And, um, you know, it was packed house. People were even you know, lining up beach chairs sort of in the vacant areas around the court to be able to be in stadium and, and see the action. So it's a little bit different from, say, Manhattan or Hermosa or even the Huntington. But um, definitely, I think, and I, and I heard you guys saying earlier, uh, something that whatever the tours or whoever the tours are that are, expanding the beach game need to take the Midwest and the rest of the country into consideration. Awesome. Well, uh, I heard nothing but good things about you being there, Dustin. We will, uh, I'm sure I'll see you sometime soon. Thanks for calling in with the update. And uh, obviously you're in the running for whatever the name of that award was we gave out last year. Yeah, what's the update, by the way, on uh, Rosie and, and Gib right now? I know they won the first. Rosie and Gibb are 16 all in the second game after taking the first one, uh, and it's a highly contested match. In fact, Rosie is blocking some. They're trying to change the things up a little bit. Lafayette looks really good. The lefty is really solid. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that was cool with traveling with, with these top teams was that they all had, not all of them, but most of them had international experience against a lot of the teams that the Americans have been playing on the beach. So that was cool to hear some of the takes, for instance, on the uh, – Italians that beat Phil and Todd, and on the Latvians, and on the even on the Brazilian women's side. So it was pretty cool, and the, and I, you know, thank everybody for letting me be a part of it. Eighteen sixteen now, Latvia. Nice. I had to shut it down on my computer because it kept freezing up everything, and I didn't want to uh, lose the show just because I was being selfish and watching online. <laughs> so, well, thanks for calling in, Dustin. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, see you guys. All right, you're listening to The Net Live. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. You don't have to find the best college coaches. They find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition, led by head coach John Hawks, athletic development with Michael Johnson performance, and educational options, all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute, postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off, it's adding a year to your future. Sign up today at spireinstitute.org. When I said quick break, I really meant a quick break. Um, Wow. Wow, that was fast. I know. Just you know, just I want to hear Kevin's voice one more time before we uh, close out the show, and we're missing him. <laughs> okay. Um, before we go, Jay, I know some people have been asking um, since you've been on the show to uh, touch on the Penn State stuff. We don't need to dwell on it. Um, if there's anything you would like to say about it, I know it hasn't really been in the news much lately because the Olympics are dominating, which is probably a good thing. But uh, we'd love to hear something from you about it. Wow. Um, 
Well, first of all, to everybody that uh, that is curious about my uh, situation here, uh, thank you for your for your concern. Um, you know, here's the reality: is you know, I think the once all the band-aid has been ripped off and, and everything was kind of out in the open, uh, and and Sandusky was um, you know found guilty of all these charges. The obvious sanctions that came down from the NCAA. Uh, I, I think when you ask anybody involved in Penn State athletics, and that means you know the coaches from all the sports and the, and the athletes, I think we all kind of look at it and say, okay, the sanctions are what they are. I think the reality is is that those things being said, I think that the one subject that seems to be the biggest sore spot for all of us is that when you listen to Emmert from the NCAA talk about how uh, football and athletics in general is put ahead of academics. Uh, they could not be more wrong. Uh, and Emmer uh, should know better than to make statements like that. And, and the you know, perfect example of him uh, having to put his foot in his mouth is that I think a week later the NCAA report came out and, uh, and our school, Penn State, was found as the number one school in the country for graduating its athletes. Nice. So... He obviously doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes down to that. That being said, uh, the university, uh, the, the surrounding community, uh, the fans and the boosters and the supporters all feel that this is a brand-new era, obviously with Joe Pye not being there. But it's even more so now because the spotlight is on us to see how we respond. And if you've been lucky enough to have watched uh, some online footage of our football players especially come out in support of their coach, and, and, and staying to play at Penn State, um, I think you're going to see uh, the rallying of the troops, you know, the circling of the wagons, whatever analogy you want to use. Um, this is going to be a rally point for us. And uh, my job is fine. Uh, no small revenue sports are going to be hurt because of this, which is good. Um, and I think our football team is going to be just fine. I think our university uh, is going to lead the charge when it comes to making the changes in order to become, uh, you know, a leader in, uh, in in helping others that are in need. Uh, you know, when there's innocent children involved, we're going to become that focal point of how we can be uh, leading that forefront. So um, I think we're going to be okay. And I think, uh, you know, the powers that be, the karma is a son of a bitch for whoever's involved, uh, but the rest of us, we're all going to move on just fine and I think, um, you know, the rest of the world will, will kind of follow along suit uh, as normal. Well, I think your positive vibe will, uh, will go a long way. And we've talked about it on the show whether we thought it was really a football issue or even uh, a sports issue at all for the school. I mean, obviously some type of form of punishment had to come down, whether it's right or wrong, but for political reasons for sure. Um, sure. You know, you feel for – I mean, there's just so many people involved with – you know, the victims of the crimes, which you don't want to take lightly at all whatsoever. And then these kids who had nothing to do with any of this at all whatsoever on the football teams or even the students at the school, too, who are being affected by this, too. That is just, there's just so much that goes into it, I feel, for everybody involved. Um, but I'm glad to hear uh, you uh, are taking away what you can in a positive way from this, Jay. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely one of those things where, you know, that which doesn't kill you will make you stronger. And, and you know, this program, 
uh, in general. I have bought into this university hook, line, and sinker when I when I say to you that the Penn State pride that permeates this place has nothing to do with just Joe Pa, nothing to do with just football. It's the whole university as a whole. And a perfect example of that I'll give you is, you know, on game days, there are, you know, 110,000 fans in the stadium, but there's easily another 100,000 people outside of the football stadium that are tailgating and having fun and enjoying themselves. I dare you, I dare you to walk around the campus on Sunday morning after the football game on Saturday to find a piece of trash, to find any type of, uh, um, you know, uh, graffiti or any type of, uh, you know, just, just trash in general around that campus. It looks like nothing has happened. And that is the Penn State pride, a small example, but a real example of the Penn State pride that goes on up there. So, um, you know, to my I – I, although I didn't go to school here, I feel like I'm a Penn Stater. Uh, the family atmosphere that this university has given me um, and, my, and my wife, uh, I could not be more Penn State uh, than, than if I would have went here. So uh, this is a great place to go to school, a great place to work. And, uh, you know, calmer heads will prevail, and we'll all move forward from this. And to the victims and their families, uh, as, as, as sorry we are for all their loss, uh, I know that we're all trying to do our best to make things better for the future. Of course. Um, I grew up in Virginia, and I had some friends that went to Penn State, and none of them had a bad thing to say about the school. Um, couldn't say a bad thing. Loved their experience there. Had a great time there. And I've actually been to that campus, amazing campus. Um, yeah. If my grades were better, maybe I would have gone there, but uh, I decided to be a DJ instead. So um, there was a question on the message board. Did any of the um, sanctions that were brought down by the NCAA, do they affect any of the scholarships for the volleyball teams there? No. Uh, one of the things that the NCAA uh, made a statement for up front was, and, and this was echoed by our administration and athletic director to all of us beforehand, was, that no non-revenue sports, meaning just about every other sport on campus, uh, is to be harmed, affected, or lessened in any way in order to make these uh, financial responsibilities be taken care of. So none of the scholarships are lost for the women's volleyball team or the men's team or the basketball teams or the swim team. None of that will be affected. Um, and so uh, that, that was definitely music to all of our ears because all of the coaching staffs from all the other sports were wondering, is this something that I've got to worry about for my family? And there were some tense moments. We didn't know. Uh, but the NCAA said that that cannot happen. And so we were all breathing a little bit easier, and now we're able to move forward with this whole process. Nice. Well, um, I know I appreciate it, and I know our listeners appreciate you touching on it, uh, especially since you are personally involved in the school. And uh, I would like to thank you for uh, helping me carry the show today, Jay. I couldn't have done it without you, that's for sure. Well, you know, Jeremy, I love doing the show. I know it won't be the last time I do it, uh, and I look forward every single time I get a chance to be on here with you guys. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a joy and a pleasure to give me a soapbox, and um, you know, it just it is what it is. By the way, uh, Lafayette is now up five two in the third game, uh, and so kind of kind of a bummer. I hope Gibb and Rosie can pull this off. Yes, I'm going to end the show now so I can watch the rest of the streaming online. You're listening to The Net Live on VolleyballMag.com. Thank you all for tuning in today. One more week of DJ Ruscha's The Net Live next week, and then uh, I believe we will have our Londoners back. And uh, then I will take a vacation from the show probably. (laughs) Come out to Penn State for a football game. I'll get you Oh, That would be – I would love to do that for sure. I'm yeah. going to put, uh, I'm, gonna, I, I'm actually going to look into that uh, right after the show, Jay. 
You know what? Please do. Look at any game. Come out. My wife and I will host you up for the weekend. We'll put you up and uh, tailgate with you, and it'll be a good time. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. Feel free to hit us up on Facebook, forward slash The Net Live, thenetlive at gmail.com. We will see you all next week. See everybody. The stars creak as you sleep, it's keeping me awake It's the house telling you to close your eyes Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.